Welcome to Season 2, Episode 67 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, I just got the core crew. I got Matthew Aguilar. What up? And Janelle Wheeler. Hello! And uh, we got a lot to run through, so we're keeping it tight on the crew today because there's a lot to talk about. We're going to be talking about Finally. the new trailer. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> right? We got, we got an uptick in content again, so we can uh, actually talk about some stuff. So instead of just yelling at each other, which I also love, but uh, <laughs> not with this crew. We, this is not like a very volatile crew. So, so let's stick to the news today. We're going to talk about Star Wars, The Mandalorian Season 2 just dropped its trailer. So we're hyped about that. And we got some related Star Wars news. Marvel just put down a big casting that we got to talk about. Plus, we might have some sad news about that Black Widow movie release. And we're going to deep dive into quick recaps of both The Boys and Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country because I think we've hit spots in both those shows that are worth stopping and talking about right now. And then we're going to review Netflix's The Social Dilemma, the documentary that has a lot of us throwing up in our mouths right now. And after that, we are going to run down comics because it's been a minute, but we're back. And there's comic stuff we got to talk about. So, uh, yeah, like I said, let's get to all of that. All right, up top, let's talk about The Mandalorian. So we got the trailer for uh, season two of the show, the Disney Plus Star Wars series. And, um, yeah, it was good to be back, right? Like, it's good to see everybody back. You get to see Mando. You get to see – I'm not calling him Darjan Jin or whatever that uh, – he's Mando to me. Like, I'm sticking with that. And Baby Yoda. I'm sticking with yeah, that. Yeah, same with Baby Yoda. Yeah, that's right. So, um, and you got to see them back. They're on the run. This one looks a lot more kind of woven into where we're getting closer to the Star Wars sequel trilogy, where we're beginning to see kind of those Imperial elements that become the First Order and things kind of taking shape as Mando's trying to get the child back to its people, which in this now, they've kind of taken a hard turn into main Star Wars lore by saying... He's got to essentially get the kid back to the Jedi, um, which is a tall order. Because if you know your Star Wars history, Mandalore and the Jedi have this connected history that goes back. Like the Darksaber was forged by the first um, Mandalorian who became a Jedi. But then they kind of had a, the culture had a falling out with the Jedi Order, which resulted in this very old war um, and a lot of that can play out in like the High Republic that's coming up because a lot of that stuff, the skirmishes between the Jedi and the Mandalorians happened during that era. Um, and so like, yeah, we're getting to see all these seeds and being woven together. And of course it has the same vibe. And so we got to see something, Matt, we're going to let you get to kind of drop what you're real excited about here in a <laughs> second about the aspect of the trailer you really loved. Um, I'm going to say overall, I, I liked it there. It had that same flavor. The ending scene was really cool with, uh, Baby Yoda kind of ducking into his orb when there's trouble in here and kind of Mando lay out a bunch of guys and, and do all that. It was cool. Yeah. It looks like it's going to be badass again. Um, but, uh, and I'm not saying this to be a downer. I'm just being real. I, I love the trailer. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm like psyched for this to be come back. But it also made me like kind of like bittersweet because nothing will be, I think, as ever as cool as that first Mandalorian teaser that came out. Like, oh um, gosh, yeah, that's really hard to. Yeah, that was really to hard beat. to top. I just <laughs> yeah. was, you know, and I, I was an unfair expectation on my part, but I, I love that teaser so much. That was like my favorite teaser of that year. I feel um, like they have a knack for these teasers yeah. slash trailers in general. Like, I was very excited about this, just like with the narration and what they chose to show, um, not revealing too much, 
it was just, I don't know. It was, I was very excited by this. I think they do such a good job with these. Oh, no, yeah. Again, let me reiterate before I get into <laughs> I love this trailer, but, you know, you're always looking for that return high of, like, that first one where you were just like, oh, Kelsey my God. hates the Mandalorian. I don't need that smoke. With, I don't need smoke with Star Wars fans, please. I, I love all this. So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is good stuff, and I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I hope we Richard, don't get Richard dropping love yeah. in the chat. That's so I know. sweet. I love it. I know. It. I got distracted by Richard. You know, it's Star Wars. Richard's getting in on this. Our main oh man, engineer God. Richard, huge Star Wars fan. I mean, <laughs> the Tennessee Titans and uh, Star Wars are about as big as it gets for Richard. And so far now, he's, he has a Tennessee Titans appearance under his belt. He needs a Star Wars one. Yeah. And then he's going to be set for life here. We should yeah. start a campaign. Yeah. <laughs> get Richard on Star Wars. Yeah. Oh my God, I will oh back that God. campaign in a heartbeat. Well, tell your yes. boy Brandon Davis to get on it. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, Matt, drop what you were really excited about. Let's take it in a positive direction again. There was something you were really psyched about this trailer for a personal reason. <laughs> yeah, but, Wait, uh, personal? Well, well, okay. Not well, like, personal to him. I'm like, do you know her? <laughs> no, no, no. No, no. no so, uh, but yeah, so about mid, well, it's about midway. It's about midway to like 75% of the way through the trailer. There's some really cool uh, like narration going on about the Jedi, which we can talk about a little bit. It's probably purposefully misleading, but uh, it's oh. talking about that. And then kind of in the corner, they do this pan and you see this cloaked figure and like, WWE people were like, oh my God, that's Sasha Banks. And that had been rumored that she was like on the set and she had gone back and forth some social stuff, but like nothing had been confirmed. So to actually like see her in the trailer was dope. Was dope. So cool. she's, she's, and she's like a huge geek anyway and loves all this stuff. So it's awesome. Like it, it's always awesome to see that crossover. Yeah. Uh, we still don't know who she's playing. She's been linked to a couple names. Um, I know Sabine Wren was one that's been floating around a lot more but she had also there's like two other names that have kind of been thrown out there um so that i mean i'm excited for that because i, I cannot wait i mean we've seen like with carano like they're really good about bringing these people in and giving them some subs substantial parts they don't take over they're not overtaking of the plot or anything but they're right. really quality parts that make you yeah. feel like oh that wasn't just a cameo it wasn't yeah. just someone getting to be no in the show. i mean the mandalorian does a good job like there were so many cameos in season one of famous yeah. people and even the ones you recognize and even the ones you didn't because of the makeup or like right. they were doing the CJ character, yeah. like they were all fun and they, they were yeah. all substantial. Didn't feel cheap. Like, exactly. Oh, one of those winking, like there's that guy. Like, it <laughs> yeah, like it, it wasn't Ed Sheeran in game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. No, oh my it, was, gosh. it was actually really cool. Wow. Like, Ming-Wa, Ming-Na Wen. And like when she became as a bounty hunter and she was like such a badass, like it was, it was great. So yeah, I'm looking so, forward to that tradition continuing very much. And I really liked the trailer. I, I will say that I was, I came in kind of ex wanting my, my expectations were I wanted more of what I loved about the first season. So maybe admittedly I came in with like a little bit of a lower bar of like what to expect. I was just like, I want more Mando and baby Yoda. Like that's, I want more of that and that fun sense of adventure. And that was totally in this. And with the best little, sequence that's already like taken off on social where Crazy. he like pushes the button and the little thing closes and all that stuff it's so good it's so good i cannot wait for more of that so yeah, yeah. mandalorian's coming to save our fall and and late fall i mean the boys is holding all by itself right man Thank yeah goodness. it's all out here all by itself <gasps> we oh, got wait. a cough 
feet singing this I time. Know. Oh my gosh. Oh, if you it's a hear good day. a beautiful voice in a bar singing a very sad song, <laughs> they're odds it's me. They're odds it's me. All right, anyway, moving on to happier stuff once again. So we also have a rumor on the Star Wars front from uh, one of our trusted scoopers, Mr. Daniel RPK. Um, is hearing that there's going to be some kind of... We've been hearing rumblings about various Star Wars projects that are cooking over at Lucasfilm. Um, some of these are a lot like... Like we've heard one about... We discussed about the Kylo Ren series or, or what project it might be. We still don't know. And a similar kind of conversation is apparently happening about a Mace Windu kind of project using kind of primarily focusing on young Mace Windu with a new actor, but also having Samuel L. Jackson there for appearances and and kind of uh, key connections to the, you know, Star Wars prequel series. So uh, that'd be kind of cool. Um, and I just, I put a joke in the show notes, but I was kind of not joking, but it was just has, see that joke. yeah, has uh, John Boyega, you know, finally scared Star Wars into making some black Star Wars. And it's just like, you know, if you haven't been following along, John Boyega has been getting in Star Wars uh, rear end pretty hard since that contract has been up. And he's basically been kind of just saying, and fairly so that like, I mean, just, I mean, not even talking trash or anything, but just sharing his experience of making the sequel trilogy and his disappointments with how kind of Finn was first touted as being this centerpiece of, you know, of the Force Awakens. And then, you know, the kind of backlash and racism he experienced and not just from like, you know, trolling fans, but like in marketing in other countries and where they yeah. were just kind of like removing him and stuff like that. And then uh, kind of calling out, Lucasfilm for kind of buckling to that and then sidelining Finn as, as kind of a side character and not having much to do by the end of the series. So um, is this the counterbalance? I don't know, but I would love to see a young Mace Windu series because Samuel L. Jackson made him one of the cooler parts of star Wars. And he was kind of like where Yoda was the wise part of the council. He was like the mighty part, like the strong guy and seeing that story would be cool. So, um, and there's so much there that like, we're even excited about Obi-Wan, right? About yeah. a young Obi-Wan series and yet, or, you know, like just seeing more of Obi-Wan's life. And that has been explored to an extent. Like Windows is open. Like there's yeah. so much that is just not talked about or not shown in his very limited time on screen. So, I mean, that would be so cool to explore. Star Wars has been doing a good job of kind of going back and retroactively making events that we've seen feel more significant. Like, the Clone Wars series made the whole falling out between Anakin and Obi-Wan and Revenge of the Sith feel more powerful because we had all that backstory of their friendship and, you know, how Obi-Wan had mentored him and all that. And I would like to see that done for Mace Windu about that cheesy scene where Palpatine kills him. I would like to know more about why that was such a significant moment because of how powerful Mace Windu was as a Jedi uh, for him to fall like that. And uh, yeah, it would be cool to kind of see that done. Um, yeah, so that's it on the Star Wars front. Let's keep so it moving. So much to look forward to. There's yeah, just I mean, so much. Well, it depends. Depends who's Finally. doing it and how they do it. Because if it's more sequel trilogy right. than The Mandalorian, I don't know. But, Would you uh, be like unhappy about that? I mean, I'd, I'd like a series. I like these limited series. I very yeah. much do. Just get in, like not crazy. Like we're not planning four seasons. Just get in, <laughs> tell a story, move on. And Star Wars is so wide open. Let's keep it widespread and make great things each time you know like great yeah stories, and then just keep it moving all right moving on from star wars over to marvel you know because to get real far away from disney for a little bit 
Uh, Marvel just announced we got wind of a big kind of casting, and it it really is kind of cool because it, it's a cool guy that it, it happened to, and uh, I'm kind of excited by this. But uh, Lovecraft Country star Jonathan Majors, who also you might have seen pop up in The Five Bloods, has been cast in a major kind of villain role in Ant-Man 3. And a lot of speculation, or is it confirmed by now? I forget where we're at with that. But it seemed pretty like everybody's heavy sources were that he's going to be playing Kang the Conqueror, which is a majorly big deal that we've previously talked about on the show. And we've gone into length about why Kang is kind of the pivotal villain for this next phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And now it seems like we've confirmed that's, that's the case. And that's where we're going. So, just to kind of, like, reiterate, Kang is this time-hopping, alternate reality-hopping warlord who is actually several different people in Marvel lore because of the fact that he has access to time travel and alternate realities. He's also used these devices at different points in his life when he was a very different man to become very different people. So the main kind of thing is he's Kang is the main kind of persona that, you know, we center on. But before he became Kang and he first got into time travel, he went back to ancient Egypt and he became the Pharaoh Rama Tut and was a pivotal figure in shaping like the early Fantastic Four, um, key things with the Avengers, and not to mention kind of creating all of, you know, mutant kind by helping uh, an Egyptian slave named Nsaba Nior manifest the first known mutant powers and become apocalypse and so he's busy yeah he's busy, busy. So he's a busy dude yeah and it's, and it can just, get confusing for yeah. non-comic book oh no readers. and but that's also the joy the confusion i think could be the joy of this and we've said right. this before like done right this is a villain who can be several people that you meet in the marvel cinematic universe before yeah. you realize they're all the same person from different points that could be a great mystery that yeah, that flows through different. Like, it could be a, a really great yeah. reveal. Multitude, yeah. yeah. I'm wondering so many even Doctor kinds Strange of shows and movies without having to kind of beat you over the head, and it's much different than like the Thanos thing. Right. So it's kind of going to be cool to see who Jonathan Majors actually plays and how they do this, because is he going to be? And it also suggests so many other things, um, because of like what we're saying. So. That means that, I mean, this could mean it's a whole cascade of kind of casting differences, no matter how they play it. Because Kang is also this old scholarly master of time who's kind of like an overseer of everything in reality in time. Um, Amortis, who could be cast as either Jonathan Majors with age makeup on, or you could get somebody like older and older kind of also African-American actor who's really famous, like to also be that character. Yeah. Like it'd be cool to see Morgan Freeman be a mortis. I was just going to say Morgan yeah. Freeman. Oh my gosh, perfect. <laughs> I mean, who wow. else would convey like a mortis right. better There's than Morgan no Freeman? One. Um, there is yeah. no one. <laughs> In his past, he also, as a young man to not become Kang, he decides to become a hero called Iron Lad with his own suit of armor and forms the Young Avengers, something that we know is already taking shape in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so again, you, you now have a recasting of this younger version of Kang as a young kind of African-American male actor who would be a central part of Young Avengers. The internet's going crazy because in certain versions of the telling, Kang's real person is a guy from the 31st century who's a descendant of Reed Richards, or in other versions, I think he's his uh, 
father in other versions of the Marvel Universe? Or Adam was trying to explain this to me because I didn't think this was true, but Adam was trying to say in one some timeline, he's like his father. Oh, God. Okay. I'm just sure sticking with it because the internet's going nuts. I'm sticking with what I know. <laughs> what <laughs> yeah, I, know I know is that, that Kang is Reed Richards' descendant, for, like distant descendant in the 31st century, which means now has people reverse engineering their thoughts to say that Reed Richards could be recast as a black actor as well to kind of make that continuity. So. Um, well, that's kind of a little more flimsy because it doesn't have to be. I don't know if people know how family works, but you can get blacker <laughs> over time, even if you didn't start. Like, there's been there's been back and forth shifts in families for years. I, I don't want to get into the genetics of things, but like, yeah, you can have Jonathan Majors in the 31st century from a very white Reed Richards in the 21st century. Very true. Um, yeah, um, so that's possible. But anyway, um, all that good stuff aside, like it, it is a major thing. And like I said, where he shows up and how he shows up, I can imagine him playing Kang and Ramatut. That'd be a thing. And I would love to see another Immortus and a different uh, Iron Lad. And I'm happy for the dude because that's like this is the, this is like my favorite show that I haven't gotten to yet. <laughs> but like I can't. All I hear is wonderful things, and oh, I'm really yeah. happy for him that like this is awesome. And I mean, yeah, it has not been confirmed yet, but it's everyone's, it's pretty much kind of locked in unless there's just some major change. It seems yeah, that yeah. is I mean, Kang. Um, I don't know why Jonathan majors would turn down that Kang money. Right. Yeah. Like why would you turn it down? I mean, I, I do agree with Janelle. Like this is very, it, it really needs a deft touch to make it not um, what, like Endgame ended up being criticized for in a, in a lot of ways of that, like how confusing time travel can be if not handled with the right touch. Like it can and be just, just, it's just by the nature much of information. it. Like sometimes a lot. you feel like you get too much information and then it muddles like really understanding yeah. each character. And if, if we do Absolutely. see them in different variations, like to be able to understand and like or hate this specific character in whatever yeah. role he's in. It, I just hope they give him enough time. Yeah, but I do agree that at this point, like, you know, Marvel has done an exceptional job at that specific thing. So, look, until they just don't kill it or even get it remotely, you know, like really a solid job on it, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But, yeah, I mean, this is this is cool. And the cool thing is, as uh, we've pointed out in one of our features, this could all be starting really soon. Um, last rumor we heard before Jonathan Majors was cast as Kang was that this could be kicking off as soon as the Loki series on Disney Plus, which could be the first mention of so the Time excited. Bureau kind of looking. For that would make Kang, all the sense uh, in the world. Yeah, it would. And be the first kind of tease, if not reveal, of, of who this guy is. So kind of looking forward to this. And I'm wondering if he got cast because of that. I mean, we heard Ant-Man 3, but it wouldn't be shocking for Marvel. That was surprised. weird to me. It, yeah. Me too. I was like, I was surprised. oh, cool. And then they were like, Ant-Man In 3. Ant-Man. What the hell yeah. Is he doing an <laughs> but I'll take it scene. however they want to give it to me. It's fine. Button scene, technically it's true, but it's like a crazy button scene. I don't know. Anyway. We'll <laughs> right. See. Yeah. It could very well be that. But it, this would be enough to get me excited about the Loki series because currently I'm not. So what? Would, yeah. we're, not get, we're not getting sidetracked. We got to move on. Uh, Matt, Matt little, and his eclectic taste. I see that little one out there. Matt and his eclectic tastes are, are non-withstanding. We are going to move right along. Um, so, yeah. Wonder Woman, we haven't talked about this, but Wonder Woman 1984, since our last podcast, I believe, had to pick up stakes and move. It's going <sighs> to uh, from October to Christmas. And because um, people have just kind of realized that many movie theaters, they've, we've seen Tenet and while Warner Brothers is keeping Tenet Money's news close to the vest and not exactly being sharing with it, 
it's clear that it's not like the box office is definitely not lit back up yet uh, mm-hmm. due to the coronavirus pandemic and studios are not willing to bet their movies on it. So Wonder Woman has moved and it's looking like, you know, by the time you hear this, <laughs> by the time no. we get to record again, Black Widow could be, uh, it's going to happen. It's going to be so. moving from November no. to, to, uh, to another date. Um, because gee, who could have guessed? Matt, that the market wasn't ready for that. <laughs> Definitely not, Matt. <laughs> Lo and behold, Mulan and Tenet both crash and burn. And you not surprised. risking your life for the reason you love right. or why we are here. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, don't. I mean, nobody, nobody do that. Just yeah, don't send me letters. But um, <laughs> yeah, so it's looking like. I mean, don't be surprised. Don't be shocked if Marvel pulls Black Widow. They're not willing to take that hit, and they really want to make sure that people are at least going back to, or at least that other markets like New York, Chicago, yeah, Los the Angeles, ones. the big ones, are open again to get that money. So, well, that's the most gonna... interesting part of this is that the stat that seventy percent of U.S. theaters are open, mm-hmm. like that's a I, that was actually more than I thought. I I'd actually assumed. Less were open, but the fact that that many are open, but it's those key markets that aren't. And you realize like how one, how much those markets make up of our overall domestic box office. Oh yeah, dude. Like, you know, if you've ever lived in any of those markets, then you've seen the movie weekends where like I lived right next to the 34th street theater in New York for seven years. And just the amount of weekends of big movies where people were stretched all the way up the Avenue up to my doorstep was insane and, and it, yeah. it is like new york la big cities like that are i mean it is a just a machine it is shuffle people in to the brim of every theater shuffle them back out clean it quick or clean it air quotes quick and then shuffle the next batch <laughs> in and it's yeah. just a calculated machine of, of that's how you get those grosses and those billions and like yeah, and they can't and make two hundred million on Wonder Woman. They can't make two hundred million on Black Widow. Like right. they're just not going to. No. So. Yeah. So yeah, we'll keep you guys updated. Mm. Right now, we're going to take a break, pay some bills. But when we come back, we are going to do some. We're going to talk really quick about some crazy stuff that's happening to make twenty twenty even more nuts. And then we're going to deep dive into some TV catch up, a new documentary, and some comics. So stay tuned for all of it. So this is our flash portion. We're back and uh, we don't have a lot of time for this because I said this was all time permitting and whatnot. Oh, I should be over here. Uh There we go. Um, So I said (laughs) this was time permitting. And uh, so we're just going to really do kind of like a quick round of this. But I just had to mention it's been crazy in our office today kind of covering some of the things we cover. We try to cover all of geek culture, which means all the absurd fast food things and people eat or drink. (laughs) That's like gamer culture. Um, I was hoping we. <laughs> well, we do gammy gamer yeah. culture is part is part of yeah. it. So yeah, we're talking about these new fast food. Fast food is getting into booze apparently, and uh, to kick that off, Red Lobster's partnered up and created a Mountain Dew cocktail. Yeah, because uh, America wasn't America enough yet. We had to keep going. So now we're making Mountain Dew cocktails. And Taco Bell is going to start selling wine because whenever I have tacos, the first thing I think is, man, why don't I have a glass of wine? With it's only in Canada, though. And that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm more excited about the about the Mountain Dew cocktail. Uh, that what is it? The Dew 
Garita? Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, it's something, yeah. something interesting. It's a Mountain yeah, Dew Margarita. margarita. D-E-W, all caps, I can't. <laughs> I want to try it. Whoa, Dude, Baja whoa, Blast whoa. is amazing. Are you kidding me, Wheeler? This is about to become the <sighs> official state drink of Florida. Are you? I was a bartender <laughs> for specialty cocktails, and I'm just not. I, I, just give me a really nice tequila on the rocks. Well, we're not, not messing gonna, up beautiful okay, tequila with we can't a Mountain Dew. We can do that. Some of us need to cut our booze. With yeah, man. <laughs> I, need a, I need a Dugarita with my cheddar biscuits. Yeah, Leave me God. be. I mean, Wait, me no, be. those are two different restaurants. No, no, is it? No, the no, wine red is not Taco Bell. It's Red Lobster, oh, man. Red cheddar lo- biscuits. That actually doesn't sound bad. That sounds good. Now, Next if it I'm was really cheddar depressed. biscuit yeah. flavored, it would be gross. But it's not. No, get a nice hot cheddar biscuit. Did you just come up with something? Wash it down with a Dugarita. Yeah. Uh, orange vodka juice. Oh awesome my god! So if, yeah, so this if is thing McDonald's came out with the orange high C, some kind of like beverage oh. with that, I would be down. You lost no, me. No, I think high we C. said like the McDonald's martini. It's like the orange in. drink. No, we said the KFC bourbon drinks need to happen. Which Crush. Is, oh, yes. okay, bourbon and chicken. I'm down. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's uh, not a crazy one. KFC, if you're listening, get on that. But that would be a two COP, so they can only do probably wine and beer and then the full-blown restaurants that already have liquor licenses they're the ones that can actually i'm this is i used to be a wine sales rep wait so what is you, what is COP? i don't know you have to have certain on, you have to have certain listen, licenses nerd, you're blowing our <laughs> hypothetical <laughs> what is COP? <laughs> all right we're moving on next thing is so some of these things can't happen is what janelle's telling you from bartending yeah experience but no i'm wine going sales. to dream it's fine i'm going to dream <laughs> That KFC will serve me a bucket of chicken and some kind of bourbon crushed bourbon drink. Bourbon drink. Yes. All right. Bourbon glazed chicken. In today's non-egotistical news, uh, Madonna's directing her own <laughs> biopic. What? I didn't that even see that in the show the notes. Oh my segue. gosh. That's the best segue. Um, <sighs> and because... she, co- she co-wrote it with Diablo Cody, which is hilarious. Um, no, but that's to be like, let me be clear. I'm, I'm ragging on Madonna just because I'm, I'm just grabbing the low hanging fruit. But uh, let's not have a double standard here. We all love private parts, which, of course, is Howard Stern's biopic about Howard Stern, which is fine. So I guess uh, you got to count this one in, too. Um, is it? Yeah, but isn't that one? OK, th- this remains to be seen because, of course, obviously, we haven't seen this yet. But that movie's pretty self-deprecating too like mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it takes mm-hmm. some pot shots it like he's aware of certain things whether you like the movie or not I'm just saying like it's he's aware of certain myths about him and and things he's done i i kind of hope that she's the same way like if she's yeah. kind of open to that taking a couple jabs at yourself i think well, that will I mean, be interesting. yes you, that was a good speech jump gun jim but i mean that's where i was about to get to next was I, Okay. Only in my defense, that. it wasn't like it was a separate topic on here, and I just I jumped know. it willingly. But <laughs> <laughs> well, my next demo. sentence literally was going to be, my only hope is that McDonough will be able to be as honest and unflinching about yourself in a biopic as you need to be. Um, I can understand if it's like one of those I don't trust anybody to tell my story type things. Right, and, yeah. And I'll get into my own kind of, you know, dark stuff, but uh, I hope it also isn't just one long, you know, Vogue commercial, like, yeah, making it all look artsy because there's some interesting things in, in Madonna's backstory. If is you've she going to play that. herself at any point? Because she is an actor, you know, she's been in some stuff. 
and you know oh, she doesn't man, shy away know. from the camera. If you're directing it, how would you not at least? Okay, it? well, let's see if which yeah. tone you get from McDonough's statement about this. Okay, she says, "I want to convey the incredible journey that life has taken me on as an artist, a musician, a dancer, a human being trying to make her way in this world. The focus of the film will always be music. Music has kept me going, and art has kept me alive." There are so many untold and inspiring stories, and who better to tell it than me? It's essential to share the roller coaster ride of my life with my voice and vision. And she was praised mm. as the ultimate icon, icon, humanitarian artist, and rebel. Hmm. Wow, that is. Uh... I do get it, just like you said. I do get that. Like, okay, I wouldn't really want somebody else telling my life story, and then I look at it, and I'm like, that's that's not even my life story. That didn't happen. But... I'm kind of bummed that it's only music focused because I kind of want a whole little thing about yeah. Dick Tracy. <laughs> that's I want. I just want to know about like behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, like I want right, to know all the spicy stuff. Life. Give me the spice. The spice lunch. Well, who knows? This could be great. <clears throat> I mean, it could be. I mean, it could be the next, like, Rocket Man or something. Yeah. Like, next, uh, Ray or... I'm a huge know. fan of Madonna. have been since I was a little kid. So yeah, I will I mean, probably be checking this out. Yeah, no, I mean, it. I'm not hating on Madonna. I've always loved right. Madonna through every iteration of Madonna. Madonna drops hits. Like, I'm not hating on Madonna at all. Um, I just... I hope it is. And if... And I hope it brings back, like, 90s Madonna. Because Madonna yeah. was, like, a real actress in the 90s. And yeah. she did some pretty far out there stuff. Body of Evidence made me more of a man than I was before I uh, <laughs> ever watched that movie. But, uh, I mean, she was like a really actually talented actress and, and did good dramatic work. So, I mean, I hope that those sensibilities, she can turn around and direct, into directing and, and kind of nail it. I mean, Angelina Jolie's great. Olivia Wilde's been great. I mean, these people who are very famous, you know, beauty cover of magazine beauty, like people, famous people can actually... I mean, it's a stigma, especially on the female side to say, uh, to balk at it initially, because it could be good. I haven't seen what, but I haven't seen like really what Madonna's done in years. So it's going to be interesting to catch up. Yeah. Hopefully she stole a lot from Guy Ritchie. If there's a bunch of sped up right. sequences, I'll be like, ah, get him. <laughs> <laughs> um, great. All, right. all right. Moving right along. We got to keep it moving. Let's talk and deep dive. Let's check in with two series we are watching currently. We're going to talk about the uh, boys in Lovecraft Country. I guess I'm the only one who's still watching Lovecraft Country because I'm oh, I'm the only like steaming streaming baller over here. Uh, <laughs> HBO Max. You have oh, all of them. The Val. Matt's watching the Val. So how are you not up on Lovecraft Country? Man, I I don't know. Like it's just uh, I it's not for any lack of like wanting to watch it. I just haven't made the time like it's totally my fault like i can't blame anything else it looks amazing i hear nothing but good things about it i oh, will at some point gracious. make some time for this i will did make we ever get an update on the roku hbo thing what did i hear i heard i read something me too i, I think were, it is coming it's just not here yet because i remember reading it and went oh janelle will be happy i Yay! literally thought that yeah <laughs> when i when i saw that news i got a couple tweets uh, i've also from... been watching a lot of peacock lately so i can't oh I mean, oh. until then, you can feel free to grab some water or some coffee or something while we're doing these segments. While we're talking about <laughs> big HBO Max stuff, don't don't <laughs> worry, we'll get you in there eventually. Um, all right, so Matt's 
quasi-racist statements aside, we're going to keep moving on. I'm just joking. You don't have to watch Lovecraft Country. I'm just kidding. I want you to George Lopez on Peacock. Uh, oh, my God. Wow. I love that. The tribalism is real, isn't it? That's so- uh, this is gonna, I think half our listeners are going to be confused who still are confused about our racial identities. They're going to be like, what is happening? I don't know if this is okay to listen to. Um, all right. But moving right along before we get canceled. Literally and figuratively. Um, I'll talk about Lovecraft Country. If you haven't been keeping up, uh, this show is, I mean, like I said, I teased it and tried to tell you because I had seen a bunch of episodes. We've now caught up to what I was embargoed uh, from seeing five episodes in. And uh, yeah, man, this past weekend was my favorite one. It's kind of a really twisted take on Freaky Friday. Uh, It's kind of a racial horror take on Freaky Friday where one of the black characters gets to kind of use this potion to switch skins into a white woman and kind of go through the world, the 1950s as a white woman for a time. And yeah, it gets really intense. And uh, yeah, the ending, people were blowing up about the ending because Lovecraft country gets really raw sometimes and really, and really can kind of go there. And this episode was a really great example of that, but also the kind of fun pulpy twists and stuff. Cause there was a lot of big reveals and character reveals in this one. And uh yeah, the show has been good. They did an episode where it was a haunted house episode. They did one where they went on this kind of Indiana Jones journey of the center of the earth, which was big because they'd never really done that with black characters and episode looking for this kind of artifact. And so, like I said in the beginning and tried to tease, it, it combines a lot of crazy pulpy kind of serial old horror flavors together. It mixes it beautifully with kind of like racial and historical commentary and uh yeah it's doing a great job i mean journey smollett has like kind of really jumped out of that show jonathan majors is getting marvel roles uh i don't want to say her name wrong but the the lady who was a star of this week's episode um who was in batman v superman oh man i forget her name it's an african name and i do not want to butcher it but she is i mean killing it on the show and so, uh, and Michael K. Williams is once again killing it. Yeah, Omar Little. So, yeah, if you're not watching Lovecraft Country, you, you really should be checking that out because, like I said, it's a good mix of kind of everything from Get Out to just really out there, macabre horror stuff. And, uh, yeah. HBO. All right, I make a promise. I will catch up by the next, right, next time we talk about it. Next, the next new episode of the show, I will catch up. All right, oh. you heard it here. All right, right. Because, right. I mean, look, it's not, it sounds amazing. I, I can't wait. No, it's a good time. It's a really good time. Um, let's talk about the boys. So now the boys is weekly after our first batch of uh, crazy episodes. And this last episode was a sl- sl- bit slower in terms, but great, but better in terms of just doing character development stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, it, it had some moments we definitely, <laughs> definitely got to talk about. Uh, so first up, the most popular thing is the Homelander stuff, right? Um, Which spoilers, by the way, of course. Come yeah. Oh, yeah. Spoilers, spoilers. For the boys. spoilers for the boys. <laughs> boys, episode four, season two, episode four, spoilers for the boys. So Elizabeth Shue kind of made a surprise return cameo in this episode as, uh, what's her name, Madeline? And uh, Stillwell, yeah. Still, Stillwell, yeah. Uh, Homelander's kind of the handler and crazy, disturbing love obsession. And, you know, everybody was just like, WTF, how is this possible? Because she, he, you know, fried her eyes and brains out of her head at the end of last season. And, of course, it turns out to be some only in the boys twisted take on superhero powers with a character who's basically like X-Men's Mystique is a shapeshifter. And he has this dude shape 
sh- like shape shift into Madeline so he can replay their creepy psychosexual affair, um, which is just a really twisted thing in the moment where the shapeless sister loses control of himself and reverts back to being like a really gross, stubby, middle aged <laughs> man. Um, yeah. Change back. Change back. I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> Yeah, no, don't so watch the show with your in-laws. It's, oh okay. God, no! Okay, no, yeah, don't I would never. That. I would never. <laughs> I don't wow, even really like, like watching it with my fiance. I mean, honestly, there's so funny. I love, I love this yeah. show so much. <laughs> um, we got more of the mystery of Stormfront and like what is going on with her and why she like flipped out at the end of episode three and was just murdering people in the projects and you know, saying racist stuff to an Asian man who she brutally murdered and stuff like that. Yeah. And it turns out that, uh, yeah, she's Stormfront is not who she says she is. She's kind of a character who kind of reinvents herself in her superhero persona. She used to be uh, Lady Liberty, I believe her name was, or yeah, in the 1950s. And she also went around murdering black people because yeah. of the hell of it. Because so, yeah, she's a racist piece of garbage who's kind of hiding in the persona of a kind of new age woke portland you know uh gen z or or millennial i guess Mm -hmm. um which is so hilarious to me because the boys is just kind of like stepping into a cultural grenade that like and they'll get a pass because it's the boys but like they could have never predicted like what would be happening right yeah yeah they also literally like yeah like, they didn't really drop this racist bomb. American under like subgroups in. I feel like it should have been a bigger Portland deal. Portland would be directly clashing at this time. So yeah. interesting commentary from the boys. They're probably just waiting for their letters to come in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, and you know, it like I feel like I mean they make these so far in advance. It, it right. it's really crazy how it keeps working out to where the stuff is just so timely. It's yeah. It's so I mean, like we talked about with excellence, right? It's like forever ago and then this stuff just keeps anyway. Um that's a whole other discussion. But yeah, no, this I love what they're what they do with that character because that character is such a is so screwed up. Like that character's so screwed up and manipulative and like the homelander stuff they're doing with that character and then you're starting to see the past that it's like steals the show so many times not just as a character in like moments but just like as the overall narrative kind of builds and stuff that's some of the most interesting stuff so yeah yeah also i got to feel like a colossal ass because they pretty much settled any debate about uh what happened to billy butcher's wife in this episode um (laughs) with some pretty succinct dialogue that leaves no room for mistakes so there we go. We can settle that debate. Connor Casey was right. I was wrong. Uh, let it be noted here. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Oh, uh, and that stuff, by the way, that conversation, the the one like after the van is like so like there's so much like gut punch there of like their relationship just doesn't really go the way that I feel like a lot of people expected it right. to go when they finally reunite things like that. And that's what I love. Like that's the stuff mm-hmm. I, I really like that they keep, they keep changing that just enough to where it's not just sitting into those formulated tropes that we so mm-hmm. often see. Really they do fun. that a lot in that show. Yeah. Which is yeah. good. And also uh, finally uh, my whole thing was uh, my note was black noir is like one of the scariest characters ever. <laughs> like whenever that dude's on screen, I am worried about whoever he is around. Yes. Like, I was so worried, like the most 
edge of my seat thing in this episode was just that poor little analyst who was sitting there like looking for Billy Butcher for him. And I was like, please don't kill her. She looks so nice. Please don't. (laughs) We're going to talk about like the whole science, Scientology references with the deep. Oh man. Would you like a fresca? Would you like a fresca? Yeah. It's been like, it's been (laughs) compared like directly to like, um, Tom Cruise and his wife, how it was all just like a staged thing um, that Scientology made them get married and how it's that they're kind of like making fun of that with the oh, deep yeah, right now. Absolutely. Yeah. The, I mean, I got all that, but to be honest, the deep, the deep stuff is the stuff I hate the most. In the oh, I, I think I, it's I so funny. I admit that was a slow build for me. Like that mm-hmm. was the, that was the thing that honestly, I didn't really start to love the collective stuff right. until like the final few episodes. Like that right. to me was like the one that took me the longest to kind of get on board with. Cause I'm like, yeah. okay, I understand where you're going. Right. I'm still kind of waiting for that <laughs> payoff. And so, yeah, it was a lot. Though I do, I do now go around offering frescoes to everybody. Yeah. So it right. has the, I mean, it was just <laughs> the thing, the thing was, it was like the thing that framed the entire episode were those interviews with the different women. And yeah. it was like the least interesting, by the time it finally came back to it, I was like, Oh yeah, that, that's what, yeah. Yeah. So, all right, that's my check-in with the boys. Let's talk about the social dilemma. Oh, so Netflix put up this documentary, which is a pretty stunning documentary that seems to be really kind of uh, having a good, I mean, a strong rippling effect across, across the mainstream right now as people kind of dig into it and it spreads and word of mouth seems like it's catching like fire because good. what it is is a documentary that essentially presents takes a bunch of kind of tech pioneers and experts from key companies involved in the rise of social media in the 2010s and early 2000s to 2010s. Um, people from everything from guys who helped develop the first, you know, the early Instagrams, Twitter, uh, iterations of Facebook, like Pinterest, Snapchat, like Reddit, like all this stuff, right. That we know is now such a big part of our, you know, fabric of our lives. And it's basically this kind of revelatory explanation about like what it is that social media truly is from the people who are been on the, not only been on the inside, but, you know, helped create it. And, and it's kind of this tale of, 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 of Frankenstein, you know, your typical Frankenstein tale, which is all too kind, which is we actually started something we thought would be really good and we never foresaw how bad it's gotten. And now we truly believe, like we're here sounding an alarm bell, that this is a potential kind of civilization ender that we're kind of on the trajectory that we're currently on. And it's, it's a pretty frightening expose in a way because it uses, and it even it, it, it somehow effectively uses one of those cheesy, dramatic, like dramatic Yeah, what stages. was that from the dude from Angel? Yeah, I was like, I was like, what is this? But yeah, anyway. yeah. Um, but he uses a kind of dramatic uh, reenactment to tell the story of a family who who is dealing with you know the struggles with social media and the kids and all that stuff. But basically, what it kind of reveals is that, like, yeah, social media is when you boil it down, it's it's a drug, and it's a drug in the same way that like gambling is created and why casinos work. Um, that are there's a psychology behind it about tapping into human psychology and, and refining all these pri- processes that physically 
kind of make us dependent on these kind of like reactions and, and these interactions using one of the most powerful forces in human instinct, which is the need for social connection and, and to be around others to kind of basically turn us into a product. Um, and the dreadlock guy is crazy, but I love that guy because he, I feel like he's the guy who keeps it all the way real with you. Throughout yeah. The whole yeah. Thing. And um, cause they're saying like, you're the product you're being sold to advertisers as guaranteed advertising space. And what he says is a little more chilling, which is the actual product is changing your behavior over time and never having you be aware that this massive change to you has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and to kind of re- rewrite your behavior patterns and, and to the advantage of advertisers and, and people selling things. And like, yeah, I think the part that made me start puking in my mouth was like the kind of the real look at all the stats about you that are collected. And basically what they describe as a very virtual kind of voodoo doll of you. That is basically an AI algorithm, not a human being, an AI algorithm that knows you better than you basically know yourself and is targeting you for things like constantly and gets smarter and smarter and smarter and smarter based on the interactions you have on social media, on any of your platforms and has every record of anything you've ever done on social media, including who you looked at for how long you looked at them, which was like, whoa, I was like, Oh my God, that's pretty disturbing. Yeah. Like, and it makes you wonder, like, are they saving things that we delete? Like say you go on Instagram and you, I mean, that's that's not a wonder. Janelle, that's not a wonder. It's it's an absolute hard. Yes. It doesn't matter about the data that you deleted. It it keeps a record that you had that data in the first place or Mm -hmm. were interested in that data in the first place, which is the key. Yeah. Um, It doesn't need, it's not like a blackmail scheme, like, which is what people worry about. This is saying like, you're worrying about the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. Your old pictures you delete are are, are not. Yeah. I would be way more worried if I was a parent. Like when I was watching this, I was like, I can't imagine bringing a child into this world. Like if I had a kid (laughs) right now, I would be throwing up. But for me personally, like from where I come from, I thought the more chilling and terrifying stuff because I was already aware of all this. I'm, I'm an internet person. I'm on all the time. I make my living on the internet. Um, I know what they're taking. All of my notifications have been turned off on my phone for years. Um, I've been, I choose what to put up, which isn't directly affecting, like, it's not me. Like, I would like to post a picture of my parents and my fiance every day, but nobody wants to see that. So I don't ever post it. It's literally just selfies of me because that's what people want to look at. Like, I already know that people don't want to know what makes me happy. They want, you know, a nice filter on God, a selfie depressing. in front of a Zelda. Yeah, shield. But, um, uh, but, but what you don't maybe understand or, or realize is you've been conditioned to not express that part of yourself, which was so but I don't, I don't need a to. fundamental part of yourself. But right, like, but I don't, because I, I don't know a lot of the people that are looking at my yeah, stuff. Yeah, but take away social media. Would you still act like that based on these kind of I probably just want to be on social media. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> like my fiance, for example, like, isn't even on any, any social media platforms. And like we made, he has an alias. Like I never say his name. Like we don't even, we don't even go there, right? But- 
what frightened me the most was actually the political and uh, like all of the stuff that's going on where they're influencing like people to believe flat, flat earth or for people to want to go persecute and destroy other cultures. Or, I mean, that to me, that that's what they say, like that's going to completely devastate the world. Like that's, what's going to make the world shut down. Like the, Oh, my self-esteem is low because I didn't get enough likes. I don't care about that as much personally. But like I said, if I was a parent, I would be very worried about the likes and the popularity of it and, you know, the filters that you put on your face to make you look prettier and then that changes the way you want to look in real life and then you get down on yourself. Like they did show both sides. So if you don't have children or if that doesn't really hit you, there's another side to this that will hit you. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of freaky on all sides. Danelle's starting to really depress me. <laughs> um, someone, I mean, as someone with an eight-month-year-old. Have you watched it, Matt? Did you watch yes. it? Yes, okay. but it was. I mean, like... I've had to have the struggles with my <laughs> own child, where we had to, when she discovered what phones and stuff were. I mean, it was almost like instant addiction. We had to yeah. wean her off. It took about a year to kind of control and scale down how much access and how freely she was able to get those things, mm-hmm. not just from us, but from our her entire friends. social yeah. circle. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're the one kid that doesn't have the cell phone in middle school. No, but like, that must be so tough. I mean, you know, know, there is, and there's deeper. I know kids who are further along, like the statistics, the kid stuff, it's not just self-esteem. Like mm-hmm. those statistics they were talking about are real. There mm-hmm. has been a significant spike in kids who are depressed, anxious, cut themselves, hurt Suicides. themselves. Suicide, all of that mm-hmm. because of this one source of things. Um, and you, you also got to, I think it's more impactful because they're also showing a decline in civilization itself. Like because these kids grow up like this, there's less aptitude for actual social interaction and, and healthy social development relationships, things like that. They don't don't want driver's licenses. They're confidence. They have zero confidence. Yeah. But what happens to us with a, with a generation of kids underneath us that are basically, you know, sociopaths when it comes to like, terms of this. That was actually the part that I took away the most from was Mm -hmm. the one where it was during one of those reenactments. But when the two uh, boys are sitting on the couch or the Mm. bench or whatever, and he keeps like, all right, well, we need to let's send a notification now. And like you go from these two people talking to them by the end of it, they're both sitting there on their phones next to each other in a public place. But there's staring because at the phone they to, like, both dared in. to break their algorithm of usage and right yeah social in the interact and that so they crazy. were both kind of subtly called back and the one thing i disagree with um janelle you were saying before it was the thing that was chilling to me about the society destruction thing is that there is no they that like targets people for this right they were saying it's ai like, there yeah. is no they and it's not but it's not the ai it's not even the computer that does it it's we do it to ourselves yeah it builds like, this times, community of like-minded people yeah so whether it's right or wrong around in the you. bubble yeah. like you feel yourself in a bubble it's crazy uh, and you begin to believe that everything you are seeing on social media is the world instead of your world yeah no two of us even us who might have the exact same interest enough to do a podcast, we don't see the same feeds. We don't see the same news. We are not seeing so the same crazy. world. And so like we work ourselves into these crazy matrix cocoons and to the point where we can't relate. And we think like 
I'm the only one who's sane and everybody else is insane. Yeah, because, that's where they get you know, it from. How can they not see this? And it's just right. like, it's everywhere. All of us like, just like yeah. nuts running around in these little bubbles trying to <laughs> hack each other to pieces because we think it's the only way to save the world. And it's like, yep. that's, that's the real insanity here. It's just like, and nobody's at the switch. Right. A machine doesn't care. A machine's not nefarious. It's not like Terminator. This isn't Skynet coming. It doesn't for know. Us. Any, yeah, there's yeah, no way for it to tell what's what real or fake. It's supposed to be doing right. just better and better and better, which is feed us back our own echo chamber of crap and sell us stuff that therefore they know we want based on all this information they have of us. And it's just like, yeah, we're I mean, going to start dumping all of this. <laughs> like, yeah. Start dumping all this how us. many times have you like said something out loud? And then all of a sudden you have an ad for it and you're like, wait a minute, I didn't even, I didn't even search this. Like there, how, how do they know that I need this couch that I'm looking for or something? I mean, it's, it's wild, mm -hmm. but it is okay. In case people are listening and they're freaking out because you haven't watched it, it does have a little bit of light because the people that are, that made this have started a foundation and they are like our superheroes oh and they are trying oh to stand boy. up for no, us. No, 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 no. They, they are, are not. though. They're trying to find ways. They are not going to save you. They're they fighting. are not going to save you. Here's <laughs> what they are doing. And here's what we all need to jump on the page of found, found Oh my God. Um, Okay. Yeah, that's uh, the whole thing. The whole thing exists. Be that whole show exists because of these founders of this Great, institution. But we I'm not waiting on the founders. You wouldn't even thing. know this existed at all, Cody. I know if it all for this, this program. existed, but I've never seen it compiled. Exactly, compiling. and who compiled it for you? The founders. People that are trying to help you. The foundation did. I'm right. I love Thank this. you. I'm not saying the foundation's <laughs> bad. I'm not saying you're wrong. All I'm saying is what the end point was. The the guys were saying was. It's not bad. You're right. You don't have to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Social media right. is not entirely bad. What's bad is the business model of data mining for purpose of capitalistic with unbridled capitalism, taking all the information about us and using it to create these things that sell fake news and, and conspiracy theories sell because they create interaction. They create people to read and spend more time and therefore see more advertising than real news does. And so right. as long as that's the practice driving social media, it is more profitable to social media companies to feed you crap and fake news and, and, and conspiracy theories and divisional stuff because that pulls up interactions than it is for them to refine and, and actually use it for good, spreading information and doing all this positive stuff. And so now you have people that are out there practice, acknowledging it. Yes. Yeah. And, as long and they're as trying to fight for practice, us in Congress and say, hey, we need to take back our freedom. So at least we know now, right? At least yes. us three know, right? Or now whoever is listening to the podcast and maybe it will reach even further. And maybe if we all band together and say, hey, we deserve some freedom here. Like you do not have the right to, like, to save all of the information that we, you know, all of our data. It just, I feel like we could turn this around. I mean, we have to, that's, that's how they end it. They said, we have to change this or we're done. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. So uh, and they say turn off notifications. Yeah. So, and don't use Google. <laughs> I mean, yeah. There you go. So social dilemma. We'll let you guys see it and make up your own minds about uh, yeah how you feel about that. Love it. Let us know at the uh, hashtag Comic Book Nation. All right, we're gonna turn ourselves out by uh, talking comics here. 
Uh, I guess we got time to talk about like uh, one. Uh, I mean, I can we can save it for the next show if you want to go into a little bit more detail since yeah, it is yeah, coming out this through. week. Take us through, because like, I do want to talk actually about two things and one of them won't be here until next show. So, Okay, cool. Yeah, so let's just run through comics. So, of course, that issue that Kofi is alluding to uh, is Batman number 99, which is the next step in the Joker War. And there are a few big things in that issue um detective is also also came out this week uh that has some other uh joker war tie-in stuff so if you are kind of looking to read everything connected to that you probably do want to pay attention to that but there is a lot in here so we'll definitely get to that uh next episode we also have x-men number 12 which is x of swords prelude so again if you are ready to hop on board that X-Men train, uh, then you definitely want to start reading some of these other tie-ins and preludes. Uh, also in the tie-in category is Justice League number 53, which while not really, like it's kind of labeled as a its own thing, but it really is, if you're reading death metal, uh, this one is a worthy tie-in. It really focuses on um, Nightwing and Wonder Woman, uh, and some parts of that that are really, or sorry, not Wonder Woman, uh, Hawk Girl, uh, that are kind of interested, or kind of interesting uh, regarding that. So you definitely want to check that out. We also have Thor number seven. Once in future number eleven is so good. It's so good. It, I cannot. I keep like shouting from the rooftops, but that that book is so good. Uh, Giant size X Men Storm number one, Iron Man number one. This is the uh, big relaunch, and uh, I, I mean, people know probably by now. I'm not the biggest Iron Man person uh this was really good i mean the the last run was kind of uneven uh i thought it started out pretty good and then it was just kind of uneven this is uh this is really good like this actually got me excited about an iron man book again so hopefully it continues uh seven secrets number two is out that issue is a uh if, if people remember from when we interviewed uh the creators that first issue ends in a gut punch uh this one is different but i will say equally as good to me um, Amazing Spider-Man Sins of Norman Osborn, number one, Stillwater, number one, uh, X-Men Marvel Snapshots, number one. This is a, as the cover suggests, a Cyclops focused book. This is a Cyclops story. And for any fellow Cyclops fans, I feel like this is, this was excellent. So, I mean, definitely seek this out. Uh, these are kind of just one-off one-shots. Uh, but this one is definitely one if you are an X-Men fan. Uh, Big Girls, number two. Dead Day, number three. And Heavy, number one, which is a new series that kind of focuses on uh, this guy who kind of goes to purgatory and he wants to get back to see his uh, his wife in uh, in heaven. And so he has to kind of work off. He's kind of a bounty hunter in this life of like taking care of uh, sickos and people who just like need to be offed in one timeline because they affect other timelines like there's this whole thing about uh i believe it's leonardo da vinci but like in this in this one version of his world he like takes over the world and all these machines and tortures people what? and so like that screws up other timelines he can infect other ones so when he comes and takes him out it helps all these other worlds grow and so he's doing this to work off karma points to eventually oh get gosh. to his wife and then there's a huge uh, reveal towards the end of like that changes up that story completely. It's really good. Like this is a very different series uh, from Vault Comics, but I definitely recommend it if you're looking for something kind of different. That uh, sounds awesome. It is, sounds heavy. Cool. Boom. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so definitely check that out if you're looking for something new. And uh, that is comics. 
All right. Thanks, Matt. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. If you're just getting into the show, we put up episodes every Wednesday and every Friday on comicbook.com, where you can listen on the site, or you can listen on your favorite podcast platforms. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Google Playlists, uh, iHeartRadio, and you can tell any smart home device to fire up Comic Book Nation podcast, and it'll start playing for you. If you want to watch video of the podcast, you can always catch it live on Facebook every Wednesday and every Friday to see our smiling faces. If you want to talk to us, drop any subjects, say what's up, or just kind of follow along with the show, you can always find us at the hashtag Comic Book Nation, or you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. And you can find me at Janelle Wheeler. And if you like the show, please go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. When we get back in our offices, after all the lockdowns and office shutdowns, we are going to clean out our merch closet and send everybody who sent a, uh, left us a five-star review a nice Comic Book Nation t-shirt. So if you want to get yours, be sure to just go on Apple Podcasts and leave us that five-star review. Otherwise, we want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, we are Comic Book Nation, and we will see you next time. Peace. Peace.